Hello and welcome to This Week at the Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And this week we transition from uh, kind of an indie biopic to, uh, how did you put it just a minute ago, the most blockbustery blockbuster of all blockbusters. We are diving yeah. right back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe with their third and final release of 2023 in theatrical release of 2023, The Marvels, uh, the follow up to 2019's Captain Marvel and 2022's Miss Marvel TV series, brings three heroes together to fight the Kree. Eric, we've seen kind of a mixed bag of reactions for Marvel films this year. Uh, Guardians 3 was generally well received, Ant Man 3. Not as much. Uh, the Marvels seemed to be the subject of a lot of criticism before it had even released. Uh, how did you feel about the film? Okay, so what is there to say whenever a Marvel movie comes out? <clears throat> there was a one-dimensional vi vi uh, villain. Uh, most of the scenes were shot with flat lighting so they could get as much coverage as possible so they can make the movie as much in post-production as possible. And yet... And, and the costume designs have been a lot more colorful and comic book friendly rather than more grounded in reality. And there were a lot of jokes. And at every once in a while, I thought the tone of this was pretty even, so I didn't feel like the jokes undercut any serious moments or tension. But um, I think those are the kind of things that people are used to hearing about Marvel movies at this point. What you're getting with this that I think works really, really well, and to me was worth the price of admission, was a follow-up to Miss Marvel, the TV show. And what I feel like I missed was a sequel to Captain Marvel. And I wasn't even a huge super fan of Captain Marvel, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but I, you know, there's this strong base of of fandom and and a colorful introduction to a character whose full family were invested in and she gets tied up with her powers you know with two other characters who have similar powers uh the characters are photon or monica rambeau carol danvers or captain marvel and miss marvel uh or i get her kamala khan, get the, kamala khan not iman Vellani. yeah um basically the same person but yeah um it's amazing she was like a huge fan of being miss marvel before and then got to play miss marvel and now is getting a hand in writing the continuation of the comics she really is getting to live like a dream out with this but um and you see it and she that heart is genuinely there and i could feel that but that is like a third to half of the movie i thought some of the stuff with monica rambeau also worked really well the things that didn't work so well for me, unfortunately, was the villain uh, played by Zawe Ashton. That was somebody else. Yeah, who is actually uh, either the mm -hmm. fiance or the wife of Tom Hiddleston, who plays Loki. Yes. That was the first time a husband and wife team have had their Marvel projects debut on the same day because the finale of Loki season two dropped on Friday as well. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, there are things in this movie as great as Samuel L. Jackson at his peak as comedic relief, and uh, you know some really enjoyable moments of a hero getting to be that comic book person come to life that comes from being with Miss Marvel, and then there are scenes like 
uh, a scene that is going to become notorious for me in, in history where uh, the characters escape a fight from the bad guy, go to a nameless planet covered in nothing but grass as far as the eyes can see. The ship crashes, they land, they confront Captain Marvel. She exposition dumps everything that is important about her character that ha she hasn't shared with the character so far about her feeling guilty about having basically destroyed a planet and about why she didn't come back. And they have these emotional beats and like in a minute and a half, they try and fit an entire movie's worth of character development. And then even though the ship crashed when they landed, they just leave. And what? Like, I, I so I, it's very bizarre to me because there are things in this movie that I want to say, like, I want to give this a thumbs up. But I was thinking about what, like, a thoughtful, human, relatable, emotional movie Priscilla was from just last week. And, and also watching some other people's reviews has kind of changed my outlook and i realized i did something last week that i don't like to do which is to criticize a movie for what it's not rather than what it is and it i still don't know how i would feel about that but i can't in good conscience rate that movie a thumbs down and rate this movie one thumb up for the good parts of it um so i think i'm just gonna like retroactively say that was a thumb up for an entirely different reason that this movie i give one thumb up and think I think they managed to salvage a decent amount of entertainment into an hour and a half out of a project that was probably a little bloated and longer. And I think it was it's worth a fun time in the theater. And I wouldn't want to discourage someone who might enjoy themselves. Even as a comic book fan, there are some deep, weird reaches in here. Like when it comes to the, the dance planet and whatnot. That is that is okay. not just that, was, that might have been my favorite 15 minutes of the entire movie. And it, and it is it is it is those moments when Marvel does best where they say like you know what screw what might appeal to everyone in the world here's this weird little niche thing that some people think is interesting from the comics let's explore that and put that out and see what that does and I usually think they're rewarded when they do that so yeah I I, I think I think there are some well-founded criticisms and people who enjoy themselves are entitled to enjoy themselves. And so I, you know, it's, 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 it's okay, but there are some seriously bad things in this movie, but I think the good overall outweighed the bad. Look, for the experience. If you didn't like the singing planet, there's an entire Zack Snyder universe of DC films for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. And, and you can just walk right off the Marvel pier. I, I yeah. I, you know, there's uh, there's a couple of things uh, to talk about, and we will, um, as Eric mentioned, we'll look at Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel, the show, which are actually two incredibly polarizing and low-rated products for a lot of people, probably not for the two of us, but, you know, a lot of people had Captain Marvel, the original film, at the bottom of their list of Marvel films, which I think is insane. Miss Marvel, uh, people have noted, was the lowest rated i think of the tv series that they've had which i also oh, think, being. <laughs> i also think is insane that actually pinged a little higher um i think those things are insane we can we can talk about that later they there i also think there's a larger discussion to have about marvel in general um that they're fighting with themselves but i will start with with this movie and i'm giving it a solid thumb up i enjoyed it a lot uh for what it is 
Um, there are a couple. I I do agree with you. They did not add enough depth to um, the villain, and I think that really did Zoe Aston a disservice because she's just basically anger and bitter and one note uh, all the way through to the end when she gets incinerated. Um, you know, thanks for playing. Glad you were here. Uh, but I will say there are a couple, you know, the, the criticism that got thrown at this, uh, you know, people were hot against this from the beginning. And I don't know if it's because it's all female characters or because it's something that they just wanted to dunk on, but definitely didn't deserve like the pre-criticism or I think even some of the harsher criticisms that I've seen. There is one thing I will say it there has been a big part of the discussion is, you know, this movie got blamed for hosing Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which got pulled up in the schedule because the Marvels was supposed to release in that window, but needed more time for special VFX. And they pulled up Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which got slammed for some of its VFX mm-hmm. work. I don't really care about that argument very much, but I will say I did feel in watching this movie that it aired out of sequence because we've seen Secret Invasion and there is no part of Nick Fury's storyline, the storyline with the scrolls that she interacts with that feels right based on what we saw in Secret Invasion and how we know that that plays a role in Avengers Secret Wars. So it is semi-apparent that that show having dropped in the summer that they probably did originally mean for this film to go first quarter or first half of 2023. And then you would have seen kind of, it would make (coughs) much more sense to me that the scrolls were especially bent out of shape on earth with Nick Fury and with Carol Danvers because she basically destroyed their home again or was an active participant in their home getting destroyed and them getting kind of voiced off and you leave with them going um presumably all that colony going to earth um because that's where uh you know new thor planet is you know where they they put them on earth and when you have tessa thompson show up to you know find them a home is she doing what she did for asgard because new asgard is like an island in which which begs the question if the entire catalyst of the point of secret invasion which i'll admit i haven't watched it is probably the one marvel project that i haven't watched uh, if the entire thing is the scrolls are upset because no one found them a home, and in this movie the simple answer is just live on Earth. What was that whole show about? Well, yeah. So this is the first time that I would say their pieces of IP in sharing a larger universe are really clashing because Secret Invasion is Nick Fury's show. The that didn't take away from my enjoyment of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, which the other thing I'm going to say about this film is I feel about this the same way people came after Thor Love and Thunder last year. I think either the style and what they tried to do worked for you or it didn't. I mean, people dunked 
on Thor Love and Thunder. And I think there was a lot of that where they just didn't care uh, about what they were doing with the characters and that it was a different, more fun tone and that it did some weird things and took you to some weird places. You know, Thor Love and Thunder, despite the fact of, uh, that we had Christian Bale in there, also has a semi-two-dimensional villain. You know, you might have a more polished actor who maybe was able to make a little bit more out of the pieces of his plot, but they didn't really give Gore a whole lot of storyline. You either liked it because you loved the interplay between the main characters and the way they were reconciling, coming back together. I felt a lot of pieces of that, especially between Carol and Monica Rambo, where you know, you're delving into that relationship that was broken by a 30-year absence. I know you know you weren't super pumped they landed on the grass planet for what was essentially exposition. Those were actually some some nice scenes back and forth with them. I liked their training and learning to work together. Um, I liked the way that they added a little bit more personality. So in, in the film Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers has personality, but the way that they injected her into Avengers... Not great, Bob. Especially since they made it seem like it was going to be important as we came into Endgame. And you're like, I'm not feeling the importance here. Um, you know, I thought they injected a little more personality, some teamwork. I liked the things with Goose and the other baby cats. Um, that Some of that was hilarious. Kamala's family remains hilarious. <laughs> I guess it depends a little bit on what you're expecting from these movies and whether you want to be entertained. And I think this is where we're bumping up against, you know, I heard uh, another podcast I enjoy the watch talking about Marvel kind of at this point in time with 15 almost years of IP out there, they're almost victims of their own success and creating this expectation built on an idea that in 2008, we were still trying to figure out what do you mean you're going to have all this interconnected world of films that's going to lead to like a super team. Well, then you went through 11 years to get to Endgame, and it was always going to be something of a letdown after Endgame. And it's totally fair to note that we've, we had seen 10 theatrical releases prior to the Marvels from the MCU since Endgame. And you know what? When I was looking back at them, they're not a lot of exceptional winners. The mm -hmm. ones that work get to you in some emotional way. And, you know, this made an emotional connection and I enjoyed the comedy here. I enjoyed what they were trying to do. Um, and so it worked okay. But what is concerning to me is we've had, a, a, there's been a lot of talk now that because they're not seeing the huge box office returns and because they're unsure creatively both about the reception to the character Kang and the unfortunate series of events right. with Jonathan yeah. Majors, what they're going to do, that they're going to use this multiversal thing to bring back Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson and Jeremy Renner and Mark Ruffalo and Chris Hemsworth. Oh, and they're just going to... well. There is. I don't think there's a doubt in period. mind that they were going to do that for Secret Wars. I don't know though. I I'm more interested. So this movie ends with a post-credit scene that gives you a glimpse of Young Avengers potentially. Mm -hmm. 
I think if they let some of these, you know, if they made a few more compelling stories, maybe had more of a compelling villain. I mean, think about the first Avengers, Loki, still a, a huge part of the MCU. You invested yep. in that character and were invested in that character as much as you were in the other characters. I just don't know if they're doing a good enough job about letting these worlds build and letting you invest in them and giving them somebody that's that's a worthy foil. Even Thanos and Josh, what Josh Brolin did and the way that stretched out. If you look at the one Avengers film that sort of had fallen flat is Ultron, and that's because they didn't develop Ultron enough for you to care. See, that's the thing. I think it is simpler than all of this Marvel stuff. I think what happened is COVID happened. It started crunching and they started making stupid decisions with the way that they handled their special effects teams. And it started to mess with their schedule and it threw off their plan the way that their plans got thrown off around civil war. But their method of correcting around the time of civil war still pushed them in a strong direction towards Endgame because they had a clear plan they could hold on to. But with them splitting Disney and 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 trying to tie stories into TV shows and all this kind of stuff, I think it's, I Doctor Strange and Spider Man No Way Home were the first movies to flip places, and they had to edit and reshoot scenes in order to make those two movies not work. If you flip them and you consider the idea of the stories and you consider a much slower introduction of branching multiversal incidents happening, you can kind of actually piece together and see what's going on. But the problem is. They've gotten to a place so far along a broken plan that they are having to edit their... Like, the, the Marvels, you either like it, so you're not going to question a lot of things, and you're going to find a reason to like it, or you don't like it, which is going to make all of these cracks. Like, the very beginning, the three characters start switching places. Well, Goose the Flurkin grabs some enemies and throws them up in uh, Miss Marvel's home. That's how bad guys get from one location to another. So how do they get on board Nick Fury's ship? Nobody knows because it's an editing error from something that was clearly messed up before. No, I don't know. Uh, one of them was holding on. Does that happen later? Because they're literally like teleporting. Like I guess not where they're holding. It's one on of her. Yet. One like, of her teleport. One of her teleports. Either that or it was something like Kamala. Oh, they got trapped when Kamala made her um, her orb ball. She, she was trying to make so a Kamala shield defense with the and, yeah. and went back with her shield and then took him back. No, she got put back on the ship and she tried to make a use her light powers to make a shield. And those guys okay. came from behind her and it ended up in the ball. But okay. then she got transported to great. So there, so if you, you like the scene and you enjoy it, you find it, you find a way to do that. Now I have a question for you. Uh, Zoe Ashton, uh, her villain character. Um, when did she have the time to learn who Captain Marvel was personally and what planets are important to her? About two-thirds well, of the way through the movie, they mentioned that that was 30, her target. It's been 30 years of her plotting against Captain Marvel, so... Uh, and Captain well, against Marvel the Annihilator, is sure, well known but she's really. also been trying to save the planet constantly and fighting against Skrulls and fighting a civil war the entire time. So when did she abandon the civil war and not be the leader of her people and spend some time researching. Does she go to this planet? Does she go to well, this planet? Like both of the first two planets that they go to, they mentioned were, um, Cree colonies. Mm -hmm. So they would know them. 
same way they would know the, na- the nation of England understands what's happening in India and Australia and the places that were their colonies. Okay. So they basically said those two planets had previously been Cree colonies that were part of the Cree empire that they kind of let go of directly holding on to them as part of the civil war, but they would have known what happened there. And they would know that, I don't think that's as hard to follow as you're making it out to be. I mean, and she doesn't even have who, memories of her who, own life growing up on Earth before the events of that. And so I understand. The Cree knew who Carol years, Danvers but... were, was that all the Cree knew who she was. She didn't know who she was because they wiped her memory. Right. But the the creature that knows who she was and the people involved in like making her memories go away are dead but that the character played by zoe aston was a was the like was number there. number two to the supreme when she 30 years it. ago yeah did you not see oh. that scene when she destroyed no i saw when she was there in the past the beam the collapses on her and i yeah. thought they made it look like she was one of the many kree that gets knocked away in the background because she's younger and, and among the ranks of other creatures. I don't remember her saying anything about being the number two of anything. Uh, I took it from there back and forth that she was important. And that's what pushed her into a leadership position. when huh? they started cool. the civil war. Well, there you go. I mean, like, great. So, um, uh, yeah, there's, there's more that I can go on and there's probably more explanations for all of it. But, um, yeah, you you have. Well, it was a lot of like quick exposition, and the fact that you were jumping around so much trying to do exposition. I also Monica Rambeau's character and her getting powers is sort of a minor piece of a very Elizabeth Olsen focused series that happened now three years ago. Yeah, because that was the first of the Marvel series, WandaVision. Yeah, wasn't it? I thought it was 2020. No, they got Marvel did nothing 2020, nothing theatrical. But Disney Plus launched in November of 2019, and I was pretty sure that the Marvel series started going in their second year. I just looked up Ms. Marvel. Miss Marvel is definitely 2022. But like Loki was 2021. January 2021. Okay, so. But that's, I mean, that is still almost three years ago at this point in time. Yeah, just about. And we haven't really seen Monica Rambeau be part of anything that I totally recall since then. Nope. We saw this uh, X related version of her mom in uh, Doctor Strange 2, but that was about it. Which, we get more of that. Which, this... That also begged the question of what world they're in. I... I after the events of Doctor Strange, they can't be in that one. That's them, true. All those people, not around. And Either I think that that's or the a problem. Is completely jacked. 
Yeah. Well, it does make like... you realize Deadpool three with all of the characters and pieces they're pulling in has got to be part of this larger multiversal story too. Mm-hmm. Which oh is yeah, absolutely. Be... Well, straight up behind the scenes videos is is him and Wolverine fighting on the ruins of the 20th century Fox logo in the background. There's there's no way it's not about him in the Fox universe versus the Marvel universe. Like it's that's that's something that is not a well kept secret. If if it well, was the, trying the to be kept. struggle is they've just retconned everything that that has been made off of a Marvel property in the last basically 30 years mm. into this larger MCU, that's going to be even harder to keep track of because, you know, all those old Sony Spider-Man movies and all the ancillary movies, you know, you don't know which world it's part of or now right. thanks to Loki, you don't even understand what the concept of timelines is. You know, mm. I don't know if you were tracking that series, but I don't even know where they go. I don't know, but they're trying. Sony's Up trying there. to come at it through across the Spider Verse and try and and put everything in a place. But how much are they working with Marvel, who seems to be doing their own thing? So, uh, eh. yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, so there have been three theatrical releases this year: Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, Guardians Three, and the Marvels. I would say we both probably still have Guardians Three at the top. But how would you rank the other two for you? Oh, the Marvels and then uh, Quantumania. Very yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably my ranking too. I had I had high hopes for Quantumania. I I mean I like this more than Quantumania. I liked it more than Shazam: Fury of the Gods, which you referenced. I can't remember which other movie you compared well, it to. I but... referenced Shazam because that movie has like. It's another movie from this year that sort of has a, a nice movie in it around Jack Dylan Grazer's character. Just like Miss Marvel's movie within the Marvels is like pretty, pretty solid. I really like her bit. Um, and then the other one I was comparing to was uh, Blue Beetle when it comes to trying to take like a, a cultural look at things and bring a family into the mix and ride the humor around. I think I would have liked the Marvels as a short Marvel series. Uh, yeah, I wish Miss Marvel was a movie and I wish the Marvels was the series on Disney plus. Yeah. That, I mean, that almost probably would have been more interesting because you'd probably get an episode where you really understood Zoe Aston's character because I, I think the pieces to some of the questions that you have were actually in there, but the way that they're all laid out. Oh, I'm trusting you, you to, because again, you be paying some pretty, Solid I didn't attention to the things. Well, I only saw it once too, but no, but I am bad. There are that. some places where they are talking. This you do have a point that there was a lot of exposition. Yeah. This, there was probably more exposition in this movie to explain people, places, time, and events than there is in a lot of the recent Marvel movies because especially considering that these are established characters. But you are right. Like Captain Marvel, when you leave her <coughs> at the end of her first movie, which, you know, we can just transition to mm. talking about, you know, Captain Marvel 2019. When you have this kind of introduction where you leave her, it's still back in the 90s. 
and she pops up. I thought she was going to be an important piece of Endgame because they sure as heck made it seem like that. And you get her introduced at the beginning of Endgame, but like the people that blipped, she's pretty much gone. Yeah. Until the end of Endgame. And then we've heard references about her, but we have not seen her, I don't think, in anything since that. And, and I am satisfied by the explanation that the same hurt that you're experiencing on the world is being experienced on other worlds, and they don't have the Avengers to help them. So it's like, yeah, okay, fine. You don't, yeah, you know, like, but it's like, it is kind of weird. But because when, until Monica kind of mentions in this movie that, you know, you just disappeared for 30 years, it's like, ah. Oh. You know, that's a fair point, because yeah. for us, it wasn't a 30-year disappearance, because you saw Captain Marvel in, what, March of 2019, and then by May, you're into Avengers Endgame. That was literally the last piece before Avengers Endgame, because you see I, it referenced in the deleted in the post-scene credits of Infinity War. Mm -hmm. You see the symbol, and that's, you know, everybody knew that was coming. And then she was, like, spring right in front of Endgame. Yeah. And so, you know, it wasn't that long, but then Carol, you know, you just, or Monica, you just never came back for 30 years. Yeah. Huh. That's true. Yeah. And then when you showed up, you dipped again for another five years. <laughs> well, um, but my, uh, you know, Monica dipped also, like, evaporated. Yeah, that's true. I like, almost oh, wait. got that part of her backstory too, because that was such a, again, a small referenced piece of, and, and when you're seeing her character in Wandavision, I don't think you realize the sounds about how important that's going to be. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, I hundred percent. Like it's. You don't realize like you need to retain all this, and this is going to be really crucial to something. Yeah. Going they, forward. They made they made so much in WandaVision feel like it was supposed to be mystery boxes when they probably should have more played up the significance of things rather than being like, ooh, maybe you're gonna care about this and then disappearing for three years. Um yeah. But I liked Captain Marvel in some ways for the same reason that I liked the Marvels. There was a sense of humor and there were some funny cultural references, and you had some fun stuff with her back and forth with Nick Fury. Yeah. I'm... So I don't I'm not a I'm not a fan. I I and I did rewatch uh Captain Marvel uh split up a little bit, but I it's weird. I have the same opinion as I did for the Ant-Man movies with this, which is I think at the time in this constant stream of releases, like not looking at it as its own product, but as something in the middle of the flow of everything else that comes out during the year i didn't really appreciate some of the creativity some of the uh work that goes into behind the scenes of making things look naturalistic and and you know my my main core issue with the story is she's a character who's like she's a hero who's like i don't have to change and she learns that she's right she does not have to change and it's like that's that's to me normally a beat in a story not like an entire story like and it's sort of loosely a mystery of who is really the bad guy and who is 
who has trapped her in and who is really treating her well and not and it just ta- it it just it's a labyrinth built for her to learn one simple truth which is that no yeah I should use my powers on this person and then boom they're gone and that is sort of an issue it's like the superman issue uh for DC you have to sort of come up with a narrative that sort of nerfs the character for what their abilities are because she is borderline invincible. So in order to, you you can't just do the thing where you sap some of her powers away or that's going to become tiresome. So you have to create like a compelling story. But it's just when you watch a story about a hero becoming a hero and overcoming something and the only thing that there is to overcome is just figuring out where to point your powers. I like... That is extremely reductive, and there is more to the movie than I had given it credit for originally. It, and it is by no means towards like the bottom of the barrel. Like when there is, I have it kind of in the soft middle. Yeah, like it, it's 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 not as bad as people make it out to be. It's just that the way they decided to play the character, like together, Brie Larson and the team and whatnot, was just a character who is so self-confident that they don't have to take the gravity of the situation all that seriously. And that's when you get some of the jokiness and some of the like flavor of Marvel in there. But then also like, what are the stakes? So like, I, it's, there's just some things in it to me that just like, you mean you again, never worried that Samuel L. Jackson's character might die in the nineties. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and you know, there's things or that like Phil that, Coulson like, um, might die in the nineties. <laughs> you can't help, but like, I, and to me, I can't help, but contrast the gravity of the moment where in uh winter soldier, uh, Samuel L. Jackson says last time I trusted a person, I lost an eye. And then they turn that into a punchline that a cat scratched his eye. And it, you know, it, it's sort of like, Okay, so this is where we're going. Maybe they forgot about the Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, like it's it, and and that's the idea of maybe they forgot. When that starts to float around in my mind, it feels kind of like, eh. but I don't think so. I like I again for for what and reviewing it for what it is versus what it isn't. I like the movie a lot better, but um, I'm I'm kind of neutral on it. I can take it or leave it. It's not really, yeah. So the other piece of this is uh, Aman Bellani, who I think was probably one of the best parts of the Marvel's uh, film, <coughs> who played the part of Miss Marvel in that t- 2022 TV series. I did look it up. Um, it's I. It's not that it was the lowest rate. It was the least watched Marvel yeah, series of all time shame. when it came out, which is a shame. But I remember the criticisms about these two were not big projects, but I actually enjoyed the series. Did you uh, enjoy it? I really enjoyed this series. I I felt like the way they built the sets uh, for her to be on felt very like classic superhero movie. It felt like you, like your, your Raimi and old X-Men kind of like crafted like little worlds to live in. I love the adaptation they made of her powers and the lore they gave her. And the the family element and the the time traveling, like all of this stuff felt like a natural product of telling a story about a person rather than, well, we have to hit time travel. We have to hit these things because they're in the comics. And so we come up with a story to meet that halfway. It just felt like they did a really great superhero origin story with 
a long enough time for all of those beats to breathe. And that's why I kind of still think it would have worked pretty well as like a, a like a two hour movie. Yeah. Um, I think you could just consolidate that into that. Uh, but yeah, if people have missed out on it, you're missing out on like one of the better startup origin story movies in the Marvel universe. Doing a two hour movie or like two hours and 15 minutes isn't actually that big of a stretch for a lot of these six episode series that are closer to a half hour an episode. Yeah. This, this wasn't one of the longer kind of beat episodes. Um, you know, we've had a few where they were an hour or so and, and you get closer to four hours for the whole series. But this one, probably if you took out the 12 minutes of credits that they have on each mm-hmm. of these episodes, probably wouldn't be, that far off of like two hours and 45 minutes of content, you could trim that slightly down. The only, um, the only criticism I think I would like really level at it is it feels like the creativity tapers off over the course of the show. You start with like such a strong, like visual style and tone to things. And then it sort of turns into she's in the costume. She's a superhero and whatnot. But I think that's always sort of been a criticism. Like, this movie is the espionage thriller of Marvel. And this movie is the space opera version of Miller uh, of Marvel. But like by the time it gets to the third act, they're all kind of the same thing. So, eh. so they obviously tease out at the end of the Marvels that what might be next for her being the, the young Avengers, you know, we see her connect with Kate Bishop, which I actually enjoyed that Hawkeye series a lot for the back and forth between, Hawkeye and Kate Bishop. Um, the other potential members of that, Cassie Lang. Um, I know I'm forgetting one that was in the picture. Uh, obviously, Ironheart, who we mm. got kind of backdoor introduction to in Black Panther 2. It's supposed to have a series. We will wait and see if that ever develops. But what would you, what is your interest level for? For Young Avengers, I am happy to champion it for a new audience that is going to get what I got out of Marvel growing up. As long as they stick to the core reason for telling these stories as like child-friendly power fantasies that allow people to feel like they can overcome obstacles and feel empowered, I I would be super excited to support it. Um I I'm not as heavily invested in the characters. So, but I've also gone into movies where I didn't know who the guardians of the galaxy were. I didn't ever really care about captain America before the movie, you know, like it's, they have, they do when Marvel is at their best, they do a great job of giving you a reason to watch this story that makes you care about this character moving forward and gets you invested in things. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's going to definitely be interesting. You have a few of these different groups that they're potentially branching off. You know that they're still working on Fantastic Four. All the dancing around the edges makes you think that in some way the X-Men are going to appear sooner rather than later. We have the Thunderbolts that we already know are coming. I would uh, regret not bringing up something that I think was, was a long running rumor with this. And, uh, you know, at the end of Miss Marvel, they revealed she's a mutant at the end of the Marvels. There is another special tease. 
And it is core to the character Rogue from X-Men's uh, like story that most of her powers are from Carol Danvers. It's hmm. the consequence of using her absorption power on Carol Danvers. And for some reason, a lot of those powers, the flight, the strength, the things stuck with her. And those characters are tied. And it's so interesting that they keep tying these two parts of Marvel, like the, the, the Miss Marvel side of things and the X-Men side of things. They keep those close. And I'm really excited to see if there's like a payoff there. Cause you kind of keep accidentally associating these two. You, I think you kind of have to do something with that. Yeah. Um, so you, I don't know. <laughs> challenge accepted. Marvel says, yeah, <laughs> they might be throwing out all their plans. Just be like, Hey, uh, can somebody get RDJ on the phone? We need them to come back from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's my only the clock runs out and they're willing to pay for him. Well, and I get that they, that might've always been the plan for secret wars. I never thought of that, but to me, I have mixed feelings. Like as much as part of me would be pumped to see Iron Man and OG Captain America back, mm. the emotional impact of ever being able to go back to Endgame mm -hmm. and feel it the same way would be burned. Yeah, it would be lessened. And, you know, Endgame right now is, is for me, a top five Marvel entry. I don't mm -hmm. know that I want to see them resurrect you know and we had it it was already hard to watch the black widow movie after scarlett johansson's hero death you know so mm -hmm. it still feels really weird looking at a shelf and seeing black widow after endgame like it just doesn't feel right it's bizarre well and yeah, actually you... that's probably the one of the victims of them getting off kilter because that movie was supposed to come out before civil war <laughs> Or yeah, before because it's like a direct lead-in to Infinity she War. She gets the jacket, oh, yeah. the After blonde hair, and all that kind right. of stuff. Yeah. it's like right in between the two. Yeah, yeah, Infinity War. That's what I forgot. Yeah, and so I don't know. That's the problem when you have a large interconnected set of world-building things. If something gets tilted off i mean dc didn't even build as large and interconnected of a world and you already have seen some some cracks in that i love the interviews with james wan and they're like we shot it like 75 different ways because we didn't know if we were coming out before the flash or after the flash or if we were coming out before justice league and like ah cool yeah. i never told you that i finally saw the post post credit sequence of the flash that seemingly says that he left the Clooney universe and he's back in the Snyderverse. When he's with Momoa? Yeah. Yeah, that's... I mean, that that's is weird. weird. What? Well, it's also kind of a... I mean, I'm not saying it's not amusing. Does that mean his oh. dad is back in jail? <laughs> <laughs> or is it just saying that Momoa is Aquaman in every variation... See, I, I love that. I'll go with that. But it, yeah. I just wonder if if Marvel's going to look back and regret a little bit deciding to branch into a multiverse. I, I'm sure they're going to start moving away from it. I doubt that anyone involved has any regrets at this point. 
Like, it's not like they're hurting for, for a future, you know, like, I don't think anyone is sitting here questioning shutting down the franchise or anything, you know? So but they, they just they are getting incredible to... diminishing returns because they are well, yeah. 47 million is a, sounds like a decent opening on a movie that probably cost you 200 to 300 million. It's yeah. not a great opening. And that's usually no. before they factor marketing, you know, it's, uh, they'll eventually probably find a break even or, but. You know. I'll be interested to see what happens with the promotion of this movie. Now that the strike is over to see if they come out late in the game and start having the actors do some, some post promotion of like, Hey, go see this story before you miss the amazing opportunity to see it in theaters and all that kind of stuff. That is true. You know, it, it has been weird not having anyone out to do promotional tours and, and things like yeah. that. The last movies that probably had those kind of promotion was the Barbenheimer, which was the last mm. high watermark in terms of theatrical. And then you just get random ones. Like I still don't understand how five nights at Freddy's made more than the Marvels, <laughs> even though it dropped on Peacock the same day and also is aggressively mediocre. <laughs> You saw it? Oh, I, I've seen 772 things this year. Yes, yeah, I, I thought saw. that would be enough. I've actually <laughs> gone back. You know, the last time we did this, I had not seen uh, Insidious, The Red Door, or The Nun 2. I have since seen both of those as well. Ah. Uh, Aggressively mediocre is also a word I would use to describe <laughs> those films. Yeah, pretty much. But I, you know, I guess there's just no accounting for what people want to watch. Yeah. Well, it's, speaking it's, of potentially, end of this year and the start of next year is going to be a fascinating ride because there are some studios. The real effects of the strike you won't you you won't totally feel until 2024. Like my wife the other day, she's like, "The strike's over, so when when are our network shows going to come back?" I'm like, maybe not this year. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I think the first tweet from like Ryan Reynolds was that they're still gonna try and have Deadpool three out by like July next year, and I'm like, there's no way that is gonna happen. But if it does, like, what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, they were close to, uh, I think, the end of shooting, but yeah, well, I but I don't know. I well, am excited. That were supposed to come out the latter half of this year that they held for that mm. reason, like Dune. Oh, yeah. Dune, which, this is no longer the year of Dune which, Part 2. Which you were excited for. Well, we still have some interesting things, including a few blockbusters. We know we're still going to get a second Aquaman that may or may not have actual footage of Amber Heard. It's unclear from the trailer. And... Uh, you know, we have another blockbuster reboot uh, for next week, which is a return to uh, the world of Pan Am in the Hunger Games Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Yep. The prequel that I don't think anyone asked for. But apparently, <laughs> apparently we're getting it anyway. Um, this movie is supposed to make you feel some sort of way about Donald Sutherland's character. I. Yeah, I can't imagine what. Yeah, I have the, I have the same questions. Uh, 
And then realizing that it's the same lead actress that was in West Side Story, uh, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, which feels like it was released another and decade Shazam ago. Fury of the Gods. I forgot she's in Shazam. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> of all the movies ever made, this will be one of them. This will uh, be one of them. But there'll be some interesting ones to end uh, in November. And then obviously Thanksgiving week, one of the big releases, Napoleon, uh, Apple's other mm-hmm. uh, big entry into the uh, year-end awards. So some fun stuff coming out there. And in December, um, still trying to wrap my mind around the fact that it's been 20 years since both Love Actually and Elf were released in theaters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elf was released yeah. like 20 years ago this weekend. I saw or next weekend. It was I forgot that was a November release. Mm. Just makes you feel old. <laughs> I I I would have been like 12 when that movie came out. You're not making me feel any better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not making me feel any better. But That'll do it uh, for this week. Uh, you know, you can check out the Marvels in theaters now. Captain Marvel is on Disney Plus, as is Miss Marvel, if you want to get some of the backstory. And we should probably shout out WandaVision because the third part of the Marvel's triumvirate, her backstory is all uh, pretty much wrapped up in that series as well. So uh, until then, we will see you guys at the movies. <laughs> <laughs>